And welcome into another edition of The Front Office. I'm Tony Lombardi with Russell Street Report. The Front Office is brought to you by Royal Farms. Royal Farms is now featuring 12 pieces of their world-famous chicken for just $20. Royal Farms chicken, real fresh, never frozen. Joining me as he regularly does on The Front Office is RSR's capologist, Brian McFarlane. Brian, good morning. Morning, Tony. How are you this morning? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I can't complain. Happy opening day. Yes, happy opening day. It's it's. I'm supposed to play golf with my son this morning. We, you know, thought we'd stay with a tradition of opening day and golf and whatnot. And, and it's so cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and it's it's kind of it's supposed to be beautiful, you know, nice and warm tomorrow too. Yeah, I'm not looking. Oh, it's going to be cold anyway. I'll have another excuse for my my bad shots. So there you go. <laughs> but anyway, Brian, today I wanted to address something that isn't directly about Lamar Jackson, but could be an influencer. And back during the league's, I'll call them their dark ages, when the league wasn't as flush with cash, owners who agreed to a guaranteed portion of a player's contract over time, they were forced to escrow the future guaranteed amount just to be certain that the money was available for the player per the terms of the, the agreed-upon deal. Now, this is often referred to as quote unquote, the funding rule. Now, this funding rule, which is not part of the CBA, to my knowledge, was implemented at a time when teams, as I said, weren't flush with cash like they are today. But nevertheless, the league has done nothing to change the funding rule. So let's talk about some of the implications of that funding rule. And let's just start about how it might impact negotiations for contracts like a Lamar Jackson. And, you know, when there's more of an emphasis on guaranteed contracts. Sure. So the way the funding rule works is um, you do not pay the, for instance, the, you know, the numbers that have been thrown around with Lamar 250 million fully guaranteed. You don't pay that up. You don't pay that immediately. So if Lamar, if Lamar somehow, whether it's with the Ravens or he signs an offer sheet with another team for fully guaranteed, and again, let's just say it's 250 million. He gets a signing bonus, 60 million for argument's sake, $10 million base salary. And then the way the Ravens at least would do contracts, he would get an option bonus next spring. Uh, let's just say that's 30 million. So that's 100 million. So when, when you, you do not escrow money until the following year, and of course, then it's only the money that's due at that point. Um, so what they do, they do uh, they they what they call it an audit. The the league audits every team in February, uh, and then says, okay, well you've got X amount uh, of money still needs to be escrowed that you haven't escrowed yet. So now you have to do that. I believe it's by March thirty first. So by next year, if 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 Lamar got done by next year, the Ravens would have to. Um, would have to escrow again in that example 150 million. So they're not escrowing the whole 250 immediately. Um, they do get a break in a way, so to speak, but it's just mo it's just for money they've already paid at that point. So it, it's not really it's not in the end it's not really a difference. But it it isn't it, it isn't the full amount immediately. Uh, it is done a year later. Now, Brian, just to clarify, this is a self-imposed rule by the owners for the owners and not part of the CBA, correct? Yes. And it's interesting because it was, it, it really was done for the player's benefit as you, as you said, because it guarantees that their guaranteed money is, is there. It, it's set aside. 
and the team can't turn around and say, oh, sorry, we don't, you know, we don't have the money. So it really was done. But no, it's not part of the CBA. And, and I don't know in its infancy, you know, exactly the, you know, the ifs, the, you know, the reasons why exactly, as you mentioned, the reasons why, but why it became an issue. Um, and but it, yeah, it's never been part of the CBA. So it's certainly something, you know, where we four or five CBAs since the first one now that the players could have at some point said, we want you to get rid of this rule um, as part of the negotiation. But they the, to date, they haven't. Now, with the amount you went through the calculations where you came up with one hundred million dollars which left in the case of a $250 million fully guaranteed deal, $150 million remaining to be escrowed and at various time points that, that you described. But is that $150 million present valued so that the whole amount doesn't have to be put up front? Or do they have like, you know, the $150 million is over time, but do they present value it over the term of the contract? Yeah, it's it's if if it's 150 million in, in uh, guaranteed money still due, then you're putting in 150 million. Okay, so there's no present value guarantee. Okay, no. All right, so here here's what I've been thinking about this whole rule, and, and again, I think it's interesting that it's self-imposed by the owners. Now, I know that they don't want to have guaranteed contracts. Do you think that are fully guaranteed contracts? Do you think that this is a bargaining chip or, or leverage for the owners when they're sitting down with agents or in the case of Lamar saying, look, we have to put aside $150 million in escrow. We really don't want to do that. That hurts the team, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that that's a bargaining chip for owners? Oh, it's a crutch for sure. I mean, I don't, don't there's no question about it. I mean, um, you know, there's certain, some teams, the Bengals are a good example. The Steelers are another I mean, in the past, um, they have only guaranteed a signing bonus, which, of course, is paid immediately. And then um, the first year base salary, which is obviously paid that fall for a guy signing in the spring. So uh, they've never uh, the Bengals, I don't believe, have ever gone beyond that yet. Now, obviously, with Joe Burrow, that's going to have to change. The Steelers had never gone beyond that until Roethlisberger. And then they did it also with. um with uh, T.J. Watt, where they guaranteed the second year salary and uh, and a and a and a option bonus as well. So um, there are certain teams, and and you know, I mean, for the Bengals especially, uh, you know, we've kind of discussed this in past episodes, but you know, they're a fam family run team. The team is their wealth. So anything, uh, any big check they write um comes out of their pocket so to speak you know more so than owners like steve bishotti or the jerry joneses of the world or the cronkies of the worlds of the world that you know um you know their wealth is independent of the team their wealth allowed them to buy the team mike brown's family obviously um going back to paul brown and the, when the Bengals were you know came into an existence uh you know that's a you know that that's been their 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 entire wealth that supports them um, so it's different, you know, so it's really difficult for them. And if you think about the Bengals, I mean, you've got obviously Joe Burrow, but you've got Jamar Chase coming up and you've got T Higgins who write, you know, who will be a free agent after this, this coming year. And that, you know, they just let uh, Jesse Bates go um, after franchising him last year. Cause just to be honest with you, they, there's, there's going to be too much guaranteed money. There's going to be too much payroll that they're going to have to deal with. 
Um, so I, while, you know, for, for some teams, it's probably a crutch for sure. Other teams, it is a legitimate issue uh, for the, you know, the, the chargers as well with, with, with Herbert um, there, that's not a, a cash rich team. And again, that's a family run team. You know, there, there, there are very few of those anymore. Um, but for those teams that, that are still family run and it is their, their personal wealth, so to speak, uh, it, it is it is an issue when you've got a bunch of those and you know and then again Burrow being uh, just, you know the size of it that w- that it would potentially be. So I'm taking this a step further, Brian. And, and you know, as, as guarantees grow larger and larger, and I'm thinking that this could give an advantage to owners like the ones you mentioned, the Jerry Jones or the Stan Kroenke, even like the guys like uh, David Tepper from the Panthers and the Walton family sure. with the Broncos. That could give them an advantage because they have the financial wherewithal to do that versus the Browns with the Bengals. I mean, the, the Brown family with the Bengals. And that could give them a negotiation, a negotiating advantage, if you think about it. Because while the salary cap kind of keeps things level, a level playing field for all teams, as these guarantees become more of the norm, fully guaranteed deals – those teams with the wealth could have an advantage over the others. Well, and I mean, they already do to an extent because yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's payroll, but it's cash, you know, and the, the teams that uh, obviously the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the NFL is a socialist society, so to speak, because of the revenue sharing, but there's also non shared revenue that teams uh like you know um like the cowboys especially you know draw in um you know the the events they can hold in their stadiums for instance things like that that aren't shared league-wide that they can make uh you know they can make a bundle of money off of which allows them to have that excess cash to as you know to to be able to say okay well I got to write a $150 million check, you know, no sweat, <laughs> so to speak. Whereas yes, for the Bengals, it's a big sweat. So, I mean, it kind of works for both sides. It does allow the, the lesser teams, um, uh, lesser, what less wealthy teams, I should say, not lesser teams, but less wealthy teams use it in negotiation to say, Hey, I just can't do that. You know? Um, but it's going to be obviously as you know, the Watson deal, as we've discussed has, you know, upset the apple cart in all kinds of ways. And, you know, going forward, I think this is going to be a big issue because it is going to be difficult for teams, the lesser teams, to, while they've been able to use it as a crutch, uh, you get to Joe Burrow, how do you use it as a crutch now? <laughs> how do you say, okay, well, you know, and I, you know, let's just say Lamar gets a deal and let's just, I'm going to say it's 150 fully, fully guaranteed. And then... I'm sorry. You know, Herbert or or, Her, or Hertz get them and they're pushing that number. It's going to be really hard for the Bengals to go, well, we only guarantee the first, you know, the boat signing bonus and the first year salary. That's the way we do it. At some point, you're going to have that that player. You know, they haven't had that that player. Herbert is that player. You know, he's the franchise, you know, th- that you have to bend your roles for. Um, like the Steelers, like I said, mentioned earlier, like the Steelers do with Roethlisberger. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be. I think this rule is coming to an end <laughs> one way or another, whether the, whether the owners just, you know, get rid of it themselves and say it doesn't work anymore. Um, or at least the next CBA, it's definitely going to become an issue. And when is the next CBA? 
Well, then that's not till 20. Uh, this deal goes through 2029. So, you know, we've still got what, six years, seven, seven seasons, I guess. Um, so I, you know, it's, it's, it's a ways away. Um, but you know, I, I, I think it may be even before then the owners say we have to scrap this, uh, because it's not working for anybody anymore. Right. So I was just going to ask you, this is something because as we said at the outset, this is self-imposed, the owners could get together at their next owners meeting, say, let's just do away with this thing. Yes, they could. And it's gone. But I, you know, I think that this whole discussion brings to mind the NBA's Larry Bird rule. Could you see perhaps the NFL adopting something similar to protect their franchise quarterbacks so that they're treated in such a different way that would enable teams to retain those players without it upsetting their salary cap and all this, you know, escort amount, you know, that we've been talking about? Yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly, you know, again, that's the next. I mean, they can always amend the CBA at any time, too, if both sides agree. But, you know, you, as you've seen in the past, getting them to get a, a, a CBA together always seems to be, you know, strikes, lockouts. You know, it, it always comes to, you know, until the last to the deadline. And finally, OK, we have to have a season, so we got to get this thing done. So them doing some side letter on something this big is probably unlikely. Um, but yes, I mean, I think that's an option now the, the league, the league probably, I mean, I'm sorry, the, the players association probably isn't that eager for that because they don't want just quarterback contracts fully guaranteed. They want all contracts fully guaranteed. And, you know, and that's what obviously it's at this point, it's baby steps, but you know, if they can get, once they get the, the quarterbacks fully guaranteed and that's why. Lamar seems to be the big um, test case, I guess we'll say, Um, you know, but once they get the quarterbacks fully guaranteed, then it's going to be, we want the defensive ends full, you know, we want the pass rushers fully guaranteed and we want the, you know, the wide receivers fully guaranteed and the offensive tackles and so forth. So I'm not sure they're going to be too willing to agree to some exemption just for quarterbacks, because that doesn't, that gets them a step. But again, and obviously, these ten-year CBAs are, are um, very league-friendly, um, and this is the second time they've done a ten-year deal. But um, yeah, I, I just, I just think that that they don't want to get, they don't want to lock in. Okay, this is Larry Bird. This is the quarterback Larry Bird exception. Uh, but then, you know, what about the others? Because we want the others to get there too. Well, I was thinking of the Larry Bird rule to the, applied to the NFL as more of like, okay, you got one player to apply it to, pick your guy, you know. So whether that be okay, sure, okay, sure, and that that would make some sense because it doesn't really stop fully guaranteed on some lesser deals, right? Uh, you know, our teams do fully guaranteed on lesser deals, but if you're fully guaranteeing five million for two years, it's not that big of a deal. Okay, before I let you go, Brian, I, I got to ask your thoughts on the most recent developments with or, or lack thereof with Lamar Jackson. Where do you think this is headed to based upon what you know today? Yeah, I mean, the trade request stuff didn't um, make didn't affect me too much. Um, you know, I mean, that's just I think that's just part of negotiation. Um, and it, it wasn't a demand, quote unquote, it was a request. And I know that's kind of semantics to an extent but and that was done back even before they put the tag on then they put the tag on then they used the non-exclusive tag to you know to our surprise 
So, you know, now he, he can talk to, he doesn't need the trade. I, it, him, him, him announcing he made a trade request doesn't really matter because he could talk to teams anytime he wants now. It, it, he's, he's not beholden to the Ravens other than they have the right to match. So I, I, don't, I don't think that, you know, changed much in the, as far as the dynamic goes. Um, I, I guess the, you know, the concern for the Ravens, I, I don't think any team's coming out of the woodwork at this point, but I, you obviously never know. It only takes one. But uh, the concern now is, does he show up? When does he show up? Or does he show up at all? I, and we've discussed this before. I, I find it hard to believe he would not show up for the season and turn down $32 million given that he's kind of already lost a decent chunk of change over the years fighting for fully guaranteed where he could have gotten a, you know, a deal a couple years ago and, you know, and, and being, being paid handsomely at this point in the third, second or third year of that deal. But, um, but I do think there's a, uh, um, uh, you know, I don't, I can't, I don't know the right words. I don't want to say, I don't want to cast aspersions in any way, but there's an obstinance here. Um, and he's got every right to, you know, believe what he wants and and believe his market value as he, as the term he used, the Ravens had met his value. Um, you know, he has every right to believe what that is. Um, but the question is what he sit out for it. And I didn't, you know, I've all along been like, there's no way he'd sit out, but I don't know. Um, but that's a little more, I don't know why, I don't know what exactly what in the tone of things that have happened over the last week. But that concerns me more that, you know, he's, you know, he's a true believer in in what he wants and what he deserves. And he's not going to compromise from that at all. And seemingly so far he hasn't. So, you know, would he would he sit out? And I I think that's more of a possibility now in my mind than than I thought it would have been. Yeah, he's a unique guy being described as a unicorn in many different ways or many types of applicability but you know here's the thing for me is that the way this is shaping up there's got to be some tremendous tension at at the castle and i just feel like the way this is unfolding the outcome is not going to be anywhere near ideal for the ravens the outcome could be as you sort of alluded to that he could sit out and not really embrace this new offense with todd munkin or there may be teams that are just thinking, you know, we're close enough to the draft. I can make this offer to Lamar after the draft, which would then leave the Ravens if they don't match the deal in a situation where they don't get that draft pick until 2024. Yeah, and 2024 and 2025 would be, um, you know, two first-round picks sounds great, but if it's a year away and two years away, it doesn't sound so great for sure. Right. In the meantime, they're held hostage because their hands are tied because they've got $32.4 million parked in the salary cap that they can't do anything with in free agency. Right. And then they've got, you know, as they've as they've been structuring their deals using void years, you know, going against their, you know, their past history they're you know, they're they're they they can't do anything else. I mean, they haven't restructured anybody and they got, uh, you know, they've got what I think it was like 26 million they could get through restructures, but they haven't done any of those to add to the team because they need that in their pocket, so to speak, just in case somebody does make an offer with a, you know, with a big first year um, cap number, they need to be able to match that. So they're, they're really paralyzed in a way. 
um, because they can't really make moves to help the team, which would help Lamar as well, um, because they, they just have to keep that money in their pocket, so to speak, just in case there's an offer that, they, you know, is structured so that they need that money to match. Right. One other quick question before I let you go, Brian. There's been a lot of talk recently about a three-year fully guaranteed deal, and there are numbers that have been kicked around three years, $133 million fully guaranteed. But let's say Lamar does a three-year, $153 million deal. And the reason I come up with 153 is that it's $51 million per year, which gets him up to that, you know, that level he wants to be at on an annual basis. And maybe it's an ego stroke. I don't know, but whatever. Let's just say it's it's three years, three hundred, uh, hundred fifty three million fully guaranteed. How does that impact the cap? I mean, they can only stretch that over three years, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. I mean, the, the Ravens and all teams would would much prefer a longer term deal because you can spread that out. And so, I mean, they could, you know, I mean, it, the the difficulty there is, you know. If it's fifty three, if it's fifty one million a year, and he's already thirty two, um, you know that number probably has to go up a little that to maybe thirty five or forty in order to make that third year not seventy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so thirty two. That's what nineteen million under the fifty one. Um, so if you add, if you add, yeah. So if you added nineteen to so you kept it at 32. If you add 19 to the back end number, then you'd be at 70. So it'd be 32, 51, and 70 if I did the math correctly. Yeah. So that's a huge cap number just two years away, two seasons away, essentially. Um, so they would have to bring the 30. So the 32, usually when you're talking about an extension or a new deal, you're talking about lowering that cap number, that initial cap number. So 32 down to you know, 22 or 25 or even 30, you know, but in the, but on a three-year deal, it would be hard to, to keep it there. It would, it would most likely have to go up some. Now they would probably use void years. I'll they just probably, void years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they would, they would probably have to use void years to keep it. But then again, that, you know, part of that discussion is the, you know, and a lot, a lot of people, you know, pushing the, you know, the fully guaranteed number, you know, the idea behind fully guaranteed and, and players getting shorter term deals. I mean, Lamar would be 29, I think, when that when that deal would end. Um, so but, you know, part of that discussion is also part of that deal would be that the Ravens can't franchise him after the third year. Um, so they'd have to those those void years would all hit in year four. And that could be, you know, I'm just throwing numbers, but that could be 20 million or something like that in dead money if he's not here. Now, if they extend him, then those 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 remaining two years would be able to be uh, would stay in place as prorations as opposed to uh, accelerate in that fourth year and count all in that fourth year. Well, there you have it, folks. The the funding rule explained as well as the latest on Lamar Jackson. Keep your keep tuning in to the front office on wherever you get your podcast. I'm Tony Lombardi on behalf of myself and Brian McFarlane. Thanks for listening.